hearts are, are supple, they're, they're open, they're softened. morning. So glad you were with us today for our worship gathering at People of Hope Church. Um, my name is Kyle. I'm the pastor. Welcome to week two uh, in the life of People of Hope Church. Last Sunday was our launch Sunday. So we are just getting started with what the Lord's going to do here in our city. We are believing him uh, to do great and amazing things and to see lots of people's uh, lives changed. Uh, we're going to jump into some teaching now. Open your Bibles to um, the book of 1 Corinthians in the second chapter. 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2. Bibles, apps, however you're reading along this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul, a leader of churches, one of the, the father of churches, all in the ancient Near East, um, giving lots of instruction and help. Uh, often answering questions to churches through his letters, often trying to solve disputes and problems and resolve issues, but very often just teaching and teaching and teaching and building and building and building, building, helping people understand God, understand how God is a part of their lives all the time, and, and all of life is about God. And in the, this letter to Corinth, the city, the, the group of Christians that are there, Paul is, is going to lay a foundation this morning. He's going to lay a, a foundation of what really matters, what trumps everything, what's of highest importance. And he's talking about that here in chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. He says, When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence of, or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. Okay, time out. He says, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence. Your translation might say superiority of speech or fancy words. If you have one of those translations, it may say fancy words. I didn't come trying to just blow smoke or to impress you. I wasn't coming to you as Paul saying, let me talk a bunch of really deep sounding talk about God. And so that you'll be impressed with me. What Paul says, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence of my own or wisdom of my own. When I talk to you about the testimony of God. What does he mean by the testimony of God? He means the story of God, the truth about God. His witness of who God is. All right, if he didn't come with his own eloquence and his own wisdom, what did he come with? Look at the next verse. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul's aim with the, the church in Corinth was to say, while I was with you, I didn't want you to look at me and think I was amazing. I wanted you to think Jesus was amazing. I wanted it to be all about Jesus. I didn't want you to be impressed with my works. I wanted you to be impressed with his works because ultimately I do not need you to put your hope in me. I need you to put your hope in Jesus. Paul's reminding them that when he came and when he was talking about God, he wasn't pointing to himself. He was pointing to God. And I love how he said, I resolved. I made a determination. I put my foot down and kind of dug it in a little bit like I was going to start a race. And I just sort of 
got anchored in and determined this is the way it's going to be. It's going to be about Jesus. And here we are in a brand new church. And let's just pause right here for a moment and say our heart's desire is that this would be about Jesus. From day one to year 50 to year 100 until the Lord comes. We want it to be about Jesus. We don't want you leaving this morning and going, wow, the music was really awesome. We want you to leave and go, wow, Jesus was awesome. We don't want you to leave and going, man, the teaching was strong. We want you to leave today going, man, God was strong in my heart while I was there. I sensed the Spirit of God speaking to me. We want it to be. We have resolved that people of Hope Church, just like Paul would say, we resolved that it would be Jesus and Him crucified. Jesus and the cross. We've, we've got this cross here. It's always going to be a part of our gatherings because this is our hope. True? That's our hope. And we don't ever want to forget it, but we are so, so easily forgetful people. We, we forget so quickly. It's all going back to Jesus and Him crucified. Jesus and Him crucified. That's everything. Paul goes on to say, I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. And my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. When I came to you, I did not bring a bunch of of impressive stuff about me, I came with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power so that your faith might, look at your text, might rest, might rest, might be built upon, might be established upon, not on human wisdom, but on God's power. The word that Paul uses there for rest has a lot to do with the idea of, of a foundation being laid and what's built on top of that. Paul was saying, I don't want your faith built on me. I don't want your faith built on the cool words I might speak to you. I want your faith built on Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We're beginning a series this morning called Foundations. What are the foundations of your life? What is your faith built upon? How do you go about living your life? How do you conduct yourself as a business person? How do you do relationships and marriage? How do you approach life as a student? How do you go about living your life? What's the foundation of who you are? When you get around other people, what have you stuck your foot in the ground and anchored it down and resolved to be all about? When people encounter you, do they encounter someone who's saying, I'm going to work really hard to get you to be impressed with me. I'm going to work really hard for you to get you to think I'm really cool. I'm going, to get, I'm going to work really hard for you to think I'm something. Or are you, like Paul, resolved that you would be all about Jesus and Him crucified? Do the people at your work know that you love Jesus? Let's get a little clear this morning and say it's likely true that if you really love Jesus, they know you love Jesus. If they don't know you love Jesus, something's not quite where it should be in your devotion and in your affections. Because when you are fired up about the one you love, you cannot stay silent. True? 
Remember that day, married people, when you got engaged? I mean, all the girls were walking around left hand forward. Look at the sparkle, catching the sunlight. I'm like, clouds, move. I want, I want to blind somebody with this ring. And all the guys were like, that's my girl, my fiance. You'd say it a thousand. That's my girl, that's my fiance. You got to switch all those kind of things. You're excited. You can't wait to talk about it. You're so pumped and you're just, you look into each other's eyes and you go, wow, are we really going to spend all this money on a wedding? You look into each other's eyes and you hold each other close and you just, you can't stop talking about it because you are so passionately in love. And I believe this is true. When Jesus is the first love of your heart, you cannot hide it. What's the foundation of your life? Is it Jesus as your first love? Is it as Jesus is the only one you want to be impressive to the people you encounter? What's the foundation? Here as a brand new church, we need to be clear on our foundations. But all of us, men and women of all ages, let us be clear of what is the foundation of our life going forward and how we do day to day. Foundations matter. One of the classic, all-time famous um, uh, landmark buildings that has a foundation issue. You guys, I don't even have to tell you about it too much. It's the Leaning Tower of Pisa. How many of you have been there? I, I've not been there. A couple of you have been there. It's the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Here's a, here's a picture of it. Let me, let me tell you a little bit about the, the tower. Construction on this thing began in 1173. It was a long time ago. 1173, and when it was first built, there were only three stories. And they built it in order to show the world how important the city of Pisa was. That was their goal. And five years after it was built, in 1178, it started leaning. Because they built on this foundation of clay. And they got around in 1173 and said, this is clay. This will be fine. I'm sure it will be fine. I think things will all work out. It won't be that bad. And five years in, it started leaning. Here's the baffling thing. It stayed leaning and three stories tall for a hundred years. Then they got some more money, and they thought we should keep building on the tower. And so the current height of the tower was built 100 years after the tower was begun in its construction, and it already started leaning. They kept building on top of the leaning tower. And as absurd as that sounds, some of us have built our lives on things that have not held up. And our lives are leaning and we're not making a change. We keep building and building and building and building and building. Some of our lives look like the leaning tower of Pisa. Now you got to hand it to them at this point. They have turned it into a worldwide landmark. They're like, hey, let's make some lemonade out of these lemons. Let's sell tickets. Let's bring people. And all the hotels and restaurants are really excited for you to go someday and look at the Leaning Tower of Pisa and post your picture on Instagram where you're standing away from it and you look like you're holding it up and pushing it away. If you haven't seen those, just search for it on Instagram later today and you can find them. There's about four zillion of them. That's a real number. Trust me. Foundations matter. And for the next three Sundays... 
Today and the next two Sundays, we are going to look at a series called Foundations. And I'm going to give you nine things over the three Sundays. I'm going to give you three today, three next week, and three the final week. Things that ought to be in the foundation of your heart and my heart. The foundation, the root, bottom, anchor pieces so that nothing shifts. We do not want to be leaning people. We want our lives built on rock solid firm, unshifting, unchanging things that we can keep growing and building. Paul said, I don't want your faith to rest on anything other than Jesus. And that's who we want to be as people of Hope Church. Built on the foundation of Jesus. Our lives built on Jesus. So let's dive in today in these three things for uh, part one of foundations. The, the first thing that, that needs to be an important uh, foundation piece for us is the Bible. Number one is the Bible. If you've been around church for a little while, that's not going to shock or surprise anybody. Uh, the Bible is one of those things that preachers like myself encourage you to, to live around, to be in, to have it in you, to memorize it, to study it, to, to grow in understanding it. The Bible needs to be a foundation piece. And I want to take a minute here and tell you why. I want to go past the idea of you should, and I want to tell you why. I want, to, I want to really make a case this morning of why you should build your life on the Bible. That's one of the nine. The first of the nine is the Bible. First of all, it is absolute truth. First reason why you should build your life on the Bible is because it is absolute truth. In, in this world, there's this thing called relative truth where you'll meet somebody and they'll say, well, well, that's true to you, but this other thing is true to me. And say, okay, that's fine. Glad that works for you. Well, that's that's true for you. And well, I don't kind of subscribe to what you do. I I kind of follow this over here. And this is true to me. Truth is not relative. We there is a one God who made all things. There is one God who made all people and all systems in existence. And he himself, the one true God, the only God has declared truth with a capital T. And in his kindness and in his mercy, he has inspired people to write it down and preserve it. This is the truth of God for you and for me. And when you wonder about opinions and perspectives and philosophies and viewpoints and differences of of theologies, you always have to go back here and say, what does the Bible say? Friends, as you're trying to figure out how to to do your business life, as you're trying to figure out how to to do parenting in your home, go back to the Bible. Build your life on the Bible. It's absolute truth. Another reason why we should build our lives on the Bible is because it is reliable for any era. The Bible is not old-fashioned. The Bible is relevant for 2018. It still matters today. We haven't outgrown our need for the Bible. And you may think, well, listen, a lot of this was written in the ancient Near East. It was written a long, long, long time ago. But here's the deal. This wasn't just some words written down by some some people who were interested in godly things. These are people who were inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. And we believe, according to the scriptures, that what we have in the original text and original manuscripts of the Bible are the actual words of God given to people to write down. And they're true today in 2018 
as they were in the year 18. And they're relevant. You're like, look, I'm trying to figure out how to help my kid navigate issues of sexting. And where's the verse on sexting? Uh, That's not in there. But purity is in there. Living a life of integrity is in there. Things that are proper and improper, that's in there. It still has relevance for today. Another reason why you should build your life on the Bible is that that God has given us his commands. And you may be going, hold up, hold up, hold up, Pastor. You're telling me the commands are a good thing? Because the commands always sound like, you know, a, a long list of don't do that. And I want to reframe that for us this morning, that you and I would understand that all of God's commands are gracious callings and warnings. All of God's commands, they are gracious. They are God's kindness to us. All of his commands. And if you're trying to do your life this week, you need God's commands to call you to where there is life and to warn you away from where there is destruction and regret and consequence. All of the commands of God are a gift to us. They are not for your discouragement or for your absence of fun. They are to give you joy and life and fruitfulness. The commands of God are his gift to you and to me. So dig in them because if you will live according to the Bible, if you will walk in obedience, if you will build your life on the scriptures, then you will avoid much of the heartache and foolishness of sin and much of the regret. Because the commands of God say, walk down this road, walk down this road. Why does God want to command us to walk down this road? Because there's life there. And why does God say, do not walk down this road? You are forbidden from walking down this road. You may not, as my people, walk down this road. Why? Why? Because there's heartache and regret and destruction and cost there. It's the kindness of God. And maybe for the first time in your life, you're all of a sudden recognizing, my goodness, the commands of God are not some just kill joy going, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't have any fun. The commands of God are his gracious callings and warnings because he loves us. Another reason you should build your life on the Bible is because it reveals God. This is where we learn about what God is like. This is how we understand who he is. This is where we understand his might and his power and his grace and his mercy and his kindness and his holiness. This is where we understand that he is absolutely serious about sin. This is where we understand that our God is full of grace and mercy. This is where we understand that our God is the one who can speak and there's light. Our God is the one who can part the waters. Our God is the one who can raise the dead. Our God is revealed to us in here. Is your life built on the word of God? Is that a foundation in your life? And I need the word because it guides me to the commands of God. It 
helps me to understand who God is. It is truth for helping me navigate all the the crazy thoughts and opinions and philosophies of the current age. One last one about the Bible. I need this in my life. I need to build my life on the Bible. I need it as a foundation because the stories of God's work become the reasons for my hope. The stories of God's work become the reason for my hope. I read in here that once upon a time, a faithful man of God was thrown into a pit full of lions and God shut the mouths of those lions and they did not eat him up. And the work of God becomes a story and a reason for hope in my life. If God can shut the mouths of lions. He can do this at my job. He can do this in my neighborhood. He can do this in my home. I read the story of God taking care of the nation of Israel when they were going to go through famine and, and, and hardship by sending one of their own ahead, a guy named Joseph, to Egypt and raising him up to a place of prominence so that he could take care of the people of Israel when famine hit the area. And, and those people came in and, and they really understood. Finally, God sent Joseph ahead. And by the way, through a lot of hardship, he sent him ahead to get ready to take care of God's people. And I go, oh my goodness, God is so creative. God is so inventive. He solves all of these things. And what may look, a, look like a hard day, a struggling day, a difficult day in the life of Joseph, really was God setting him up to use him in a massive way. And oh my goodness, I read the work of God in Joseph and in Israel, and that becomes a reason for my hope. Maybe, just maybe, God's got me walking through the hard thing I'm walking through right now. Maybe, just maybe, God has me in a struggling season right now because he is setting me up to use me big time for his glory. And so the work of God in here becomes a reason to hope in our everyday. Build your life on the Bible. You need it. I need it. Every day. Maybe you have spent times coming in and out of spending time reading the Bible and the stories and understanding God and the commands and all these things. And sometimes it's hard. Let's just be honest. Sometimes you're thinking, man, it feels a little dry or I'm having a hard time sticking in. And, well, I want to encourage you to find an app on your device called YouVersion. Y-O-U version. If you don't have that, you can find it. You can, you can download it. It's free. And you can have the Bible in your hand digitally. But it has all these reading plans that are fascinating and interesting. And, and there's hundreds and hundreds of topics that you can read the Bible and say, I want to do a 10-day plan on the promises of God. Or I want to do a, a, a five-day plan of reading some of the great Old Testament heroes. You can get in the Bible creatively through your device Anytime, anywhere, if that helps you, go for it. Figure out how to build your life on the Bible. The second thing we want to build our lives upon uh, is the, the cross of Jesus. Number two, the cross of Jesus. That's the second foundation piece that we want to build our lives upon. The cross of Jesus. I love the cross because... 
this symbol, this is a, a symbol of a method of execution in the Roman world. Criminals were actually crucified on a cross. And there are actually some parts of the world where they do some form of crucifixion today uh, for criminals. It's, it's just awful. It's terrible. But what would happen is that they would take a criminal and they would hang them up. It was part of the public shame. They would lift them up high on a cross and they would be spread out. And most of the time they would have nails driven through their wrists and through their feet that were crossed over. And they were out like this on the cross. And a person didn't die from the blood loss of the nails. They died from suffocation and asphyxiation because the weight of their body would pull them down and the blood would pull in their lungs. And they would have to push up, but they'd have to push against the nails. And they would endure for hours and hours publicly hung out, often naked, and their beards plucked out and all kinds of terrible, terrible, terrible things. That's the symbol. It was a symbol of capital punishment. That was what was going on in the Roman world. And here we are as Christians, and we love the cross. Why do we love the cross? Why should we build our lives on the cross? We love the cross because on a hill, on a specific day in the history of the universe, God chose to take a method of execution and turn it into the most outrageous demonstration of love mankind could ever fathom. God took one of the ugliest, cruelest, horrific methods of punishment and he turned it into one of the most beautiful expressions of love. What do, you, what do you mean? We believe this, according to the Bible, that God sent Jesus, his son, to the world on a mission. Jesus was never a victim to the Jews or the Romans. He, he never, uh, never had a moment where he was just seized upon and, and he was never a victim. He came on a mission to give his life as a ransom for many. He allowed himself, he laid his life down to be crucified on the cross. And here's why. He was the only one worthy to be the sacrificial lamb for sins. If you've studied your Old Testament, you understand that God had given the people a way to become right with him when they sinned. When you sin, you were no longer right with God and you had to shed some blood and you would shed some blood on the altar and God would accept the blood covering the altar and that would rise up to God and God would accept that. And then you were right with him again. You were righteous. You were acceptable to God again. But then you would sin the next day or like some of us, can I get a witness the next hour? You'd sin again and they're like, all right, OK, so I got to bring another offering and a grain offering or a, a bird offering or an oxen offering or some sort of an animal kind of offering. There had to be blood that was shed all covering the altar and then that would rise up to God and he would accept it. It would be acceptable to God. And he would pronounce righteousness. And then you'd go on your way and then you'd sin again and you'd be back again and blood covered the altar. What happened on this day in history on the hill is that God took the cross and turned it into an altar. And the Son of God, the Lamb of God, His blood poured out over the altar of the cross. And it rose up to God. And because Jesus is Jesus, 
God accepted the payment of the blood of His Son as payment in full for the guilt of your sins and for my sins. Oh my goodness. You and I deserve to go to the cross for our sins. You and I deserve to be punished for our sins. But God said, I'm going to put my Son there. And He'll take the weight that you cannot bear. I'll put my Son on the cross And he'll drink the cup of my wrath that you could not drink. And I will pour out on him all of the punishment for sin. We know what we deserve, but look what God did. The most horrific thing of torturous punishment was turned into the most beautiful demonstration of Build your life on that. Never stray from that. Make sure the cross of Jesus is a part of your foundation. Let me give you a couple of reasons why, if you need more. (laughs) First of all, the cross is where the work was finished for atonement. When you look at the cross, I want you to think it is finished. That's what Jesus said on the cross. And what that meant is it's paid in full. It's finished. And that means that if you and I believe in Jesus, we do not owe God anything for our sin. Absorb that. We do not owe God anything for our sin because Jesus paid it all. And I don't want to stray from that. I I need to remember that every day because I can slip into modes where I feel like I'm trying to work my way out of guilt and I need to remember that Jesus paid for it. It's finished. It's paid in full. God's justice was satisfied on the cross. So massive. Another reason why we should build our lives on the cross. It is the centerpiece of our hope. It's the centerpiece of our hope. Because we cannot pay for our sins. (laughs) We could never earn forgiveness. We could never do enough good to outweigh the bad. But here's one of the bigger things. You remember what I told you about the altar a few minutes ago when you said you had to bring a, a lamb or an ox and the blood was shed on the altar and then it would rise up and God would, would accept it and you'd be right with God again and then you would go away and then you'd sin again. And what'd you have to do? Go back to the altar and perform another sacrifice. Jesus Christ is our once for all final sacrifice for sins. Jesus finished it. And when you and I sin, we no longer have to be a, bring a sacrifice to be made right with God. By faith, we are made right with God permanently. And when you sin right now as a believing Christian, you are not out of a relationship with God. You are not made unrighteous because what God makes righteous stays righteous. And Jesus died and paid for sin. It was completely paid for. Hallelujah. You don't have to go find an altar and shed some blood when you sin. Anybody thankful for that? I want to build my life on the cross because I need to remember 
that I don't have to try to convince God to like me when I sin. I'm already fully accepted by Him. The offering of Jesus rose up permanently. And if you believe in Jesus, if you've come to Jesus by faith, God pronounces you righteous and acceptable forever. I think the cross is so important to us every day, every single day, because a lot of us forget that it's paid in full. And a lot of us live under Christian guilt, and there are very few things as evil as Christian guilt. Christian guilt says, well, I did this thing that I shouldn't have done, and now God's mad at me, and now I have to do something good to work my way out of it. Or I did something I shouldn't have done and now I've broken my relationship with God and now I somehow need to do something to be right with God again. When you do that, you cheapen the blood of Christ spilled on the cross. When Jesus bled and died, it was all paid for. All of it. So rest in the finished work of Jesus. Rest in the knowledge that if you believed in Jesus, you are right with God. Not because of your behavior, but because of the cross. I want to build my life on that. I don't want to ever stray from that. I want us to build our church on that. We are free people of grace, amen? Not because we earned it or figured it out, but because Jesus bought it with his blood. And I want to spend my life praising the name of the Lord our God who gave his only son for rebels and sinners and paid it in full. The last one that we need to build our lives on for today, the last foundation piece is the gospel, the good news. The word gospel means good news. The world needs good news. I need some good news. How about you? Speaking of news, I haven't watched like the official news in a long time. And it's not because I get most of my news digitally, although that's absolutely true. But it's just because it just makes me sad. There's so much posturing and accusation and trying to look for problems and sabotage and undermine and speculate and tear down and all this kind of stuff. It is, there is so much bad news in the world. It's awful. We need good news. And if you think about it, when Jesus came to the world, he brought the best news. Let me sum up the gospel for you in a statement this morning. The one true God who made all things has made a way through Jesus for sinners to be forgiven, adopted, clean, and new. Let me say that again. The one true God who made all things has made a way through Jesus for sinners to be forgiven, adopted, clean, and new. The one true God who made all things 
has made a way. You didn't have to figure out a way. He made a way. Through Jesus, it's the only way. For sinners to be forgiven, to be adopted, to be clean, and to be new. Let me talk about those four things this morning in the gospel and how we build our lives on the good news. Forgiven, adopted, clean, and new. Let me talk about those individually for a second. The idea of forgiveness means no more guilt. We do not owe God for our sins. You are forgiven. Only because of Jesus. The good news is you can be forgiven. I'm aware of my sinfulness. I'm aware of the dark parts of my heart. I'm aware of if left to my own devices, if I were to follow, follow my own flesh and my own desires, I could get to dark places. Anybody else in the room? I'm aware. And you're telling me that the God who has every right to judge me has made a way for me, dark-hearted me, to be forgiven? I know what I've done. I know what I've done in public. I know what I've done in secret. You're telling me the one true God who has every right to be my judge, he's made a way for me through his only son for me to be forgiven? Um, That's good news. That is amazing news. Because I need to be forgiven. And because I believed in Jesus and become his disciple, I am forgiven because of what he did on the cross. And I don't owe God anything for the sin. It's been paid for. I'm forgiven. Well, Kyle, this thing I did in college, you're forgiven for that. If you believe in Jesus, you're forgiven that. This thing I did to my spouse, you're forgiven for that. This thing that goes on in my bedroom and I lock the door, you're forgiven for that. This thing I've done at work, you're forgiven for that. Between you and God, you are forgiven. You may have consequences with your spouse, you may have consequences with your work, but you are forgiven. Wow, that's good news. The second one I mentioned here that God's made a way for us not only to be forgiven, but to be adopted. The, the Bible talks about us being adopted as God's sons and daughters. He chose us in him before the foundations of the world. Holy and precious in sight, adopting us as his sons and daughters. Think about that. God has brought you into a relationship with him as his son or daughter. And so you're no longer his enemy if you believe in Jesus. You're no longer just this filthy rebel if you believe in Jesus. You're no longer distanced from God because he's holy and you're not. If you believe in Jesus, he declares you to be righteous and acceptable to him. And he takes you in and adopts you as his son or daughter. You mean... You mean the God of the universe looks at filthy me? And if I believe in Jesus, 
I can become his child with all the rights and privileges therein? That's good news. (laughs) That's really good news. We want to build our lives on the gospel. We get to be forgiven. We get to be adopted. I don't know what voices have been slamming you down this week. I don't know what dark whispers have been coming into your mind when you look in the mirror. But this is the absolute truth about you. If you know Jesus, you are a daughter of the King. That's who you are. You're not a collection of curves. You're not a dress size. You're not a number of followers. You're not a number of likes. You are a daughter of the Most High God. That's the truth. Anybody feel like that's good news? And men... You're not just the breadwinner. You're not just the paycheck bringer. You're not just the chore doer. You're not just the kill killer of spiders. You're not a disappointment to your earthly father. You're not an underachiever. You are a son of God, a prince in his kingdom. That's who you are. Stand tall, men of God, because the God of the universe has made a way through Jesus for you to shake off the lowly, filthy, small titles. And he has crowned you with sonship. And he has said, you are my child. And like Mephibosheth in the Old Testament, the second son of Jonathan, you shall eat at the king's table like one of the king's sons. That's who you are. Is that good news for anybody today? Let's build our lives on that. The third one is clean. He's clean. We're, we're clean. There's no more shame. We have right standing with God. Our account, our account is clear. When I graduated college, I was getting ready to make my graduation arrangements and, you know, get that cap and gown and kind of apply for the diploma and all those kind of things. There were some things you had to do to make sure with the university that your account was clear. They were not going to let you graduate if you had not paid your tuition bill. They were not going to let you graduate. Here's the second thing. If you had an unpaid parking ticket on campus, I had a couple. They were not going to let you graduate. No kidding. If you had library fines. (laughs) 
go to the library, pay your $3.27 for the overdue book that you forgot you had. To go take care at the parking office, take care of the ticket. You had to then go to the admissions office and registrar's office and take care of your tuition uh, shortage that was there. And once you had done that, they would stamp your paperwork with the big word that just said clear. I can move forward now. Clear. If we can absorb it in our hearts this morning, because of what Jesus did and then rose from the dead three days later, conquering death and sin, by faith, by his grace to us, God has made a way for you and me to believe and be clear with God. And we can move forward. Have you believed in Jesus and become his disciple? Do it today. The last one is new. We could be forgiven, adopted, clean, and new. This means that we have the Holy Spirit in us. We're a new creation. We're not just Kyle. We are Kyle, child of God, spirit of God in my life. We are new creations according to God's word. And the Holy Spirit is continually throughout the rest of our lives making us more and more like Jesus. We're new. We're free from slavery to sin. Hallelujah. We're clean. We're adopted. And we're forgiven. Does that sound like good news or what? You've got to build your lives on it, friends. And here's why. Every single day we have to do this. Listen carefully to this. Every single day we wake up in the hope of the gospel. Because every day we wake up, because of Jesus, we wake up as a forgiven new creation right with God our Father. Did you get that? Every morning when you wake up and bedhead's going crazy and your breath is just kind of a green fog, when you open your eyes and you stir in your bed, when you open those eyes, you wake up. You wake up as a forgiven New creation, right with your Father. You don't have to go do something good to be right. You're already right because of Jesus. That's the good news. And we need to preach the gospel to our own souls every single morning. When I wake up, I'm a son of the Most High God. I am forgiven. I am right with God. Let's go. Daughters, when you wake up, you are a forgiven new creation, right with God. Get up and go. Live free, live in joy, live in grace, live in praise. Build your life on a sure foundation. We're going to talk about nine of them at People of Hope Church. The first three are the Bible will not shift. The cross, it's everything gospel 
It is the good news we wake up to every single day. Hurricane Katrina came through, and I was part of some crews. Tens of thousands of people worked and helped to clean up and went through the devastation. And one of the things that you see, here's a picture of some of the devastation. Just somebody's house obliterated by, by winds and rain and rising water and all sorts of terrible things. And as I drove around with a crew, we were there for a week working. Let's look at the next picture. This is what you saw all over the place. Just foundations left. That's all you saw. You see, here's a, a set of stairs <laughs> and then the foundation and some pylons. That was all that was left. That was all that withstood the winds and the, the challenges of the storm. Winds and challenges and storms are going to come to your life. And when they come, what will remain is what your life's built on. Let it be said of us as people of Hope Church that we are built on the Bible, on the cross of Jesus, and on the good news of our Lord. Let it be said of you, daughter of God. Let it be said of you, son of God. That your life is built on the Bible, on the cross, and on the good news of the gospel. Let's pray.